Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Out of the Blue. It is Sunday the 11th of August. My name's Heather. And I'm Erin. Welcome to the show. So you're listening to us on 3CR 855 AM. You could also be listening online, podcasting, digital radio. There's so many ways you really need to listen to the show. You should see the look on Erin's face right now. The chair is making noise and it is hilarious. He's I'm so trying, worried oh, about moving. I've discovered, folks, that I have the squeaky chair in the office this morning. And if I breathe, it squeaks. That's all right. It just adds to the ambience the of ambience. the studio. Very nice. Very nice. Well, before we start, I would like to um, acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Today's show, we're going to be talking about sawfish and sharks with pockets. Wondering how you pay your donation to the 3CR Radiothon? Well, you can do so online at www.3cr.org.au or call us with your credit card details on 0394198377. You can also come into the station at 21 Smith Street Fitzroy during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FPOS. Or simply post your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277 Collingwood 3066 and be sure to tell us which program you'd like your donation to go to. I'm Philippe Cousteau from Earth Echo International, and you're listening to Out of the Blue, 855 AM, 3CR's Marine and Ocean News Program. All right. So if you haven't donated to Radiothon, remember, it's not too late. You can definitely call the station during office hours and still donate to Out of the Blue, because we know you want to, because our show is incredible. Yeah. And why not? Yeah, exactly. That's right. So, sawfish. Sawfish. Now... Something that's going around in the media of late, you may have seen the news in various um, media outlets, is that there were 33 critically endangered large-toothed sawfish found dead. Now, dead. obviously... That's, that's, that seems like a lot. It's not a good news story. No. It's not okay. a good news story. Now, right. that's not a good thing. It is a critically endangered animal. If you didn't know, large-toothed sawfish, their last stronghold is in northern Australia. They used to be found all around the world. They are really, really limited in their distribution, and their populations are quite low. But there is a twist to this. The uh, actual deaths were covered up. 
Covered up. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, the plot thickens. Covered up by the West Australian government because they were on Gina Reinhart's property. Oh. Now, scandal, outrage. That is the first things that I thought. This is terrible. How dare Gina Reinhart? How dare the West Australian government? But the plot thickens. Now, why were they found dead? There was some flooding a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. they made two new massive pools, the uh, freshwater sawfish, as they also know, jumped into there. Unfortunately, that <laughs> I'm rapidly... Pi- I'm picturing it literally jumping. No, well, you know, <laughs> swam into there. They are fish. <laughs> yes. They were in there, and unfortunately, these pools were actually drying up rapidly. And apparently, in some areas, it reached 37.4. It was only in ankle-deep water, water, and they were pretty much cooked. Aww, Not a nice the story. That's right. Now, this was on, uh, I'm going to say this, Liveringa Station. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, the department uh, was notified, and they went out there, and they tried to save these animals. Unfortunately, 33 of them perished. Two were saved, but 33 did perish. Now, not very good. But this has been making the rounds, and I do believe this is a great example of why people need to actually look at the facts and delve into the story a little bit more. I felt outraged. That was the first thing that I felt. I thought I'm feeling this is a, cover a up. lot of anger right now. Exactly. Threatened species were, were um, well, they were died, and there was a bit of a cover-up. But the reason this happened, the department, the environmental department um, in WA, is they didn't want to prevent further reportings by the station staff. Why they didn't want this? They wanted to be able to intervene early in case there were any other strandings. They didn't want to it actually get into the media and get bad press as it is doing right now, and then these station staff would not uh, present this, not actually report this sort of thing. So there are layers. It is a very complex story. They actually want, the WA government want to actually intervene, or so they say, early, but they feel like the bad press that is already circulating would actually uh, negate that. So, So essentially what you're saying is that they covered it up, but not really covered it up, but kind of covered it up. (laughs) <laughs> Very eloquent. To make sure that people in the future, if they did discover there were sawfish on the property again, yes. told the authorities well before there was any ecological problem, for example, their water disappearing, yes. so that they could be rescued. They, yeah, absolutely. They, they thought if there were any sawtooth in the future at risk, they wanted to know early and they wanted to be able to intervene in strandings because this is a threatened species, critically endangered. But they felt, though, if this story got out, as it has done now, past tense, that 33 had died, that would prevent them reporting. It's so, a tricky one because when stories one. like this come out, it doesn't look great. It doesn't look great. Cover-ups that, don't look good. No, and that's the first thing that I felt, outrage. But having a close look at this story, there were layer upon layers. I don't know what, I've, what to feel right now. But if, the, as the department environment in WISA is true, that they do want to intervene early, that they did, did want this reporting to continue, well, as terrible as that is, I want that to continue. I want them to be able to intervene and help with these strandings. But okay. it's a complex story. It's a great indication or a great example of how we need to actually take – when we ever see a news article, and even us, actually, uh, don't take it as face out. Do your research. Uh, actually become an expert in something, maybe a little mini expert. Jump all over the internet and find out the information that you can before you make an opinion. Well, this is just like a conversation we were having before we went on air. And I was talking about how I just read an article about the Indianapolis Oh, yes. So this was the ship that delivered the bomb to Hiroshima because it is the anniversary this week. And um, it was torpedoed. 
And the problem was it was on a secret mission, so nobody knew where it was. And it's mentioned in Jaws. If anyone's seen Jaws, which I assume everybody has. A long time ago. I haven't yeah. made I mean, a... no spoiler alerts. It's, it's <laughs> over 40 years old. Spoiler alerts, um, the shark eats people. <laughs> and the crazy guy on the boat is talking about his time on the Indianapolis and how they were torpedoed. There were 12,000 men. 300 went down with the ship. That left 900 in the water. And by the time they were rescued, there were 300 left. And wow. they had been eaten by sharks. Ooh. I was reading this article because I was like, yes, I remember all this from Jaws. You know, I'm, I'm improving my knowledge of history. This is fantastic. They talked about how they'd been circled and slowly picked off by tiger sharks. I was like, yes, that behavior makes sense. And then they had a picture of a grey nurse shark. Oh, wow. Now, if you don't know what a grey nurse shark, if you're listening in, this is not something you need to be too concerned about. It does look ferocious. I guess that's why they use this picture. And that was the image they'd gone with. They'd gone with a shot from underneath the shark looking in its mouth. And I'm looking at it going, that's... 100% a grey nurse shark right there. I mean, look at those teeth. They're pointy. There's no serration. That thing is not picking off people in the Pacific. They just found a picture that looks scary. If you don't know, grey nurse shark, one of the other common names for this shark is ragged tooth shark. And its mouth, basically, its teeth stick out of its mouth. It does look ferocious. It's not, though. It is exactly. not. Exactly. And so, you know, in this situation, I'm like, well, great. You're trying to report on something really amazing. Okay, it's not a great story for sharks, but it is showing their natural behaviour. I mean, there was food floating around that was injured, so you're going to pick that stuff off. Shark could eat. Sounds horrible. Um, but again, it's just that reporting, if you just do a little bit more research. Yes, just And I, I think I am guilty of that. If I'd read that article, I think it would have been so outraged, I can't guarantee I would have read to the end of the article. <laughs> I'd have been like, no! Um, but, you know, you just got to be careful with these things and read the entire story to work out exactly what is going on there. Or you could just listen to us and just have complete faith in us that we're presenting you the news as we see fit and it's all perfect. Uh, for oh, example... Yes, that's the alternative. Yes. That's the alternative. I want to tell you about why that we should care about the large two uh, sawfish. Because it's awesome. Because it's amazing. These animals can reach seven metres, but they are critically endangered. As I mentioned before, their last stronghold is in the northern parts of Australia. They used to have a big distribution around the world. They do have such a, a fascinating... Uh, life history and way of hunting. So sawfish, how's it get that name? It's literally got a chainsaw on the front of its face. They it, are so cool. It's really cool. Imagine a seven-metre fish, including the saw on its, on its face, yeah, with this chainsaw sticking out. That is not a nose. It's one of the ampullae of Lorenzini, which is you such love a that. I love that word. <laughs> We've mentioned that before so on the show. The ampullae of Lorenzini. It sounds... Exotic. Very exotic. Yes. What is is an electroreceptor sense? It Less can exotic. literally feel heartbeats and brainwaves, or more so, the electrical currents generated by its prey. Now, thankfully, not for us. It's not, not after us. It's after fish. It's after some crustaceans, that sort of thing. But it can find it within murky water, and it does need to do that because it can live in brackish water. And that sort of ties into its life history. They are born out in the ocean, in estuaries, really close to inland. They very rapidly move inland upstream. So they spend some time upstream in freshwater. They live for about four to five years. And then they get to about five years old and decide, you know what, I want to go back out to the ocean. And they can be found 400 kilometers um, off the coast. So Massive migration. Massive migration. We have spoken about that before, about the, um, the ability to survive in different salinities and also to migrate. Now, I might pronounce this word uh, wrong, but it's uraline. Mm-hmm. Uh, that means it can survive in all these different salinities and it can also migrate across them. So that's a very, very cool animal. Very, very cool. And I feel like kids are getting to know these animals a bit more now. There's lots of really cool shows like Octonauts that 
I mean, I used to work at a, a we'll call it a liquid zoo. Um, so when I worked at the liquid zoo, uh, I had a small child come up to me one day and there was a sawfish there. And he proceeded to tell me how the sawfish goes to find its food and then turns sideways and saws it in half. And I was like, ooh, yeah. I hope Octonauts isn't passing on that message. I hope okay. this kid's just okay. very creative. But then you get these other kids and they're all over it. They're like, oh, yeah, it's really sensitive and it finds its food and it's buried and that's why its mouth's underneath because it hunts for things below it and it can't see it and that's why it needs to be able to pick up on the receptor. You're like, wow, that's like the next Attenborough right there. I am. I have faith in the future of to, uh, the, the kids of tomorrow. I don't think we were taught that sort of stuff. Uh, we did get ah. Captain Planet. We're all about saving the Earth. Oh, and we've, should have we've had that brought, theme song ready. And yep. Widget, the World Watcher. <gasps> Widget. Yeah. We were brought the up Cameron. on this sort of stuff, and I think it's carried across, although we, do, we did also get Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm not sure where we learned from that, but they are very cool. Zoologically, the submission. And Voltron, if, you, if, you're, if you're like me, grew up in Voltron. Um, but off point, these kids are getting shows where they're being taught this stuff. There's greater exposure these days, social media, uh, kids shows, where they're learning these individual species. And they are always impressing me. It's fantastic. Yeah, they come up with some really, really cool stuff. Maybe maybe we should do a kids show. Ooh. What would we call it? You know what? Let's go to a song. Let's see if we can come up with I a name for our kids show. I have nothing coming off the top of my head. Maybe you can write in. <laughs> Go to our Facebook page. Fun with just fish. I don't know. That is so <laughs> That's boring. That's such Fun. a dad name for a show. Well, I'm a dad now. <laughs> <laughs> go to our Facebook page. Suggest what we could call our kids' show. Okay, we are going to go to a quick song. We're going to go to The Down Easter Alexa by Billy Joel. Well, welcome back to Out of the Blue. That was Down Easter Alexa, and that was dedicated to my housemate, Adam, who suggested we should play that on air. So you're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR 855 AM. You could also be listening online, digital radio, or podcasting. So welcome to the show. Yeah. Look, uh, I don't usually do this, but I just listened into that little uh, segment there about a native plant expo. I know we talk about marine sciences, but I'm actually very excited. I love Australian native plants. Uh, I've got an Instagram page. This is a completely shameless plug. Uh, it's called For the Love of Oz Natives. I'm new to Instagram, but I love posting up there for, for the Love of Oz Natives. I'm going to go because that sounds like fun. You need to go into the ocean and find some native plants in I, the ocean. I that you go into plant. the ocean and find lots of native things. I also have a love for Australian native plants. See? But there I, can be native I can have, seaweed. I can have multiple interests. That yeah, makes me an interesting person. Wrong with it. So we talked about, what, obviously. Are you saying I'm not interested? Well, Ooh, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. We talked about the large tooth sawfish. It is absolutely an interesting animal. It is hugely awesome. But there is a huge diversity of sharks out there, uh, rays, and all sorts of um, all sorts of animals. And it lots is of sharks cool. that people can misidentify, lots of, like yeah. a tiger shark and a grey nurse, which definitely, look really, definitely. really different. But you were telling me about something different. You were telling me about a new species of shark that's been identified with pockets. Yeah. So I came across an article. Earlier this week on sciencealert.com, they've got some really interesting stuff. Sometimes, you know, you've got to weed through the stuff that's a bit 
Oh, no, just trying to make it more entertaining. But yep. this one, I mean, it doesn't take much because the title is Scientist Just Identified a Tiny New Species of Shark That Glows in the Dark. Like, I'm hooked. Yeah. Jacinta Bowler, I mean, you got me at that. Glow in the Dark Shark? Wow. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And these guys, they're only teeny tiny little sharks. Oh, they're wow. 14 centimetres 14 long. centimetres. And it has pockets behind its petrol fins with glands that produce bioluminescent fluid. I like to think of it as goo, but it does say fluid. So it does have pockets of bioluminescent goo. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Now, I mean, there is a huge diversity of sharks out there, and this is just another step that's fantastic. Well, it also has light-producing organs called photophores all over its body, so it also glows in the dark. Ooh. So we've got bioluminescence and glowing in the dark, and it's called Molly Squama. Mississippiensis. Now, Heather, I would like you to say that ten times fast now. <laughs> no. Molly Squama, uh, Mississippius. Molly Squama, Mississippius. How am I doing? No, Mississippiensis, I oh, think. Oh, Mississippiensis. Okay. If you ask me, me to say Papa Hanamakuakea, which is oh, wow. that, wow. that's, that's the marine park over in Hawaii. I've got that one down, Pat. Haven't got this one. Um, so it was discovered in the Gulf of Mexico, which is not near Hawaii, in February 2010. And it's only just been classified as a new species. And it's one of only two pocket sharks ever found. Wow. I mean, this thing sounds really, really cool. Um, the other species was discovered off the coast of Chile in 1979. And it was described in 84. Um, and with that shark, the female gets to around 40 centimetres. So this new one, it's even cuter. Wow. And looking at the photo, I mean, tell me what you think. Here's a photo of it, and I'll post the article on our Facebook page. But it looks like a teeny tiny whale. It absolutely it's, looks like a whale. It's got like a Obviously, bullf head. Obviously a teeny tiny one, but yes, it does like have a, a big bullf, bullf head. Like I'm trying to think of the voice that it would make if it was in Finding Nemo. It would be adorable. I do want you to post up a picture of this because, folks, you know, we often... Uh, do champion the, the ideal that there is lots of different types of sharks. You can't be just scared of sharks. There is huge diversity out there. This is the cutest thing ever. And I'm totally not anthropomorphizing this, but it's super cute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> super cute. It would have the best voice. So I was just saying in the break when the song was on that I am heading to the Gulf of Mexico. I'm heading to Cuba. So nice. super excited. Um, in February next year. I was like, yeah, maybe I can find myself a pocket shark. Um, they do, however, live at 330 metres below the surface of the ocean. Right. So it is unlikely I'm going to find myself a pocket shark. So this bioluminescence obviously has a purpose. Now, whether that's finding prey, locating in the gloom that is present down there with a lack of light, uh, potentially for mating or potentially even um, yeah, communication with other sharks yeah. or animals. I mean, it's dark down there. But I want to know what those pockets full of bioluminescent glue are. Because you've got the photophores on its belly that make, make it glow. What are the pockets of goo for? Hmm. We so I'm know. reading through the article. Both species have, of these pocket sharks have cute little pockets. It says that. I'm not just making it up. Totally says cute little pockets. Okay. That produce bioluminous fluid. Oh, fluid. And okay. these slits are near the gills. Um, so it's just sort of just behind the petrol fin near the gills. Um, and they have similar features, these two species. However, the latest uh, discovery, the Mississippiensis, has fewer vertebra and it has the photophores, which makes it more glow in the dark. And the other species doesn't have that, but they still need to find out more and okay. find out why the, the glowing and the fluid is so important. So we still don't know a lot about this species. Obviously, we've only found the one and there's two different um, species within the pocket sharks. 
but it does it, it shows and it's a great example of how many more species there may be down there how little of the ocean that we have discovered we're always finding these new and amazing animals particularly from that that zone downwards the you know 400 meters and down and so relevant given that we've just had the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing and the fact that NASA has announced that they're going to be putting man and hopefully woman on the moon again in 2024 so we're still fixated on going out into space yes. and exploring the universe, which I love. I, I have no problem with that. I've been to the Kennedy Space Center. I was like a small child. It was amazing. But there is so much we don't know about the ocean. There is still so much out there we haven't explored yet. Fascinating. And there are crev- crevices uh, deeper than Mount Everest is tall. Exactly. And it's think incredible. of the animals that could be down there. I don't think, as they showed in the movie The Meg which I only watched on the plane because I didn't think it was worth wasting my time <laughs> on a big screen. It. Okay, so in the Meg, they predict that the ocean floor is not actually a floor. It's just a cloudy layer of, uh, I don't know, I tuned out as to their uh, explanation because okay. it didn't seem scientifically but that, correct. But that's where it's living. Yes, yeah, so what happened was they sent their submarine bl- through that level and they Let's left see. a hole when they went down there. And the problem was the Megalodon got out that hole. And then started terrorizing okay. the world. Okay. So look, I don't think there's a megalodon out there, but who knows? Very what loosely could be living down there. Plot there. Okay. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. I mean, you know that though. You, you just yeah, read, yeah, okay. read the description like it's going to be terrible, but I'm still going to watch it. Yep. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you know there could be so many things down there using who knows what as a food source and an energy source. I'd love if if anyone has a submarine and wants to take me down for you know a trip down to the ocean floor. 100% in. Yep, I'm in too. Yeah, I mean, if you're taking me up in a small plane, I'd be terrified, but take me below the ocean. It's just, it's peaceful. And I'd love to know what's down there. So Lots much of stuff. really, really cool animals. And there's cool stuff even within our bay. So if you have been scuba diving in Victoria or anywhere around Australia recently and you've come across something really cool, like I always think tasseled anglerfish when I come across them, I just lose it. They're an amazing little thing. But if you've come across anything really cool, share it on our Facebook page. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. We'd love to see what you found if you're out there and active. Maybe not today because it's bloody cold out there. Yeah, it's but a little drizzly. Don't Maybe do it when today. it gets a bit warmer. If you found something amazing, do share it with us. We might even give you a shout out if we think your, your photo or what you found is pretty cool. Yeah, we'd love to know. And that way everyone else is out there exploring. As you said, we can get the kids out there on snorkel. And everyone can learn a little bit more about what's here rather than us all aspiring to live on the moon or on Mars. Well, that'd be kind of cool. It would be cool. I don't think there's any fish on the Mars on Mars though. No, no. no. I'm going to stay here on Earth. Okay. Well, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of our show today. So, thank you so much for joining us. Remember, you can chat to us on Facebook. So, just search for Out of the Blue. You can also podcast our shows. So, there are many, many shows up there. From I think, I think we're almost up to three or four years of podcasting now. So, there's so many shows there. You can head back and listen. Otherwise, enjoy your drizzly, dreary, grey Sunday. Uh, And coming up next is Sally with Out of the Pan. So see you later. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.